We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the Pro Football Focus Show here on Roto-Grinders, the week six edition uh, season, more than a quarter over, uh, but still lots of money to be won and lots of football to be watched. I am Britt Devine uh, here with Daniel Kelly, the lead editor over at PFF. If someone writes it over there, if there's a fantasy article, Daniel has his hands on it before it shows up on the website, along with creating his own spectacular content we'll talk about here in a second. Uh, but Daniel, it was fun. We had like the highest scoring week ever. Will Fuller, smash. Michael Thomas, smash. Christian McCaffrey, smash. Deshaun Watson, smash. Um, just optimal lineups, uh, out of control tournament scores like we've never seen before. Um, well, let's get all those guys in our lineup again this week, right? Yeah, I, we do this every <laughs> week. We'll have a little fun job. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a, a fun little thing trying to figure out which uh, real-life fantasy players will score us the most fake football points for our teams on the internet. So always a fun experience trying to recreate <laughs> that. Um, but let's take a look back, right? You spend a lot of time in your article here uh, on what do we learn from last week. I'm going to pull that up here. Uh, and the, one of the things you want to talk about, Teddy Bridgewater, I want to talk about the Buccaneers defense. How can we play these things uh, moving forward? Well, I found Bridgewater's usage very interesting. When he when he came in for Drew Brees, he was a lot of dick and dunk. His first three games, he had a combined average depth of target of 5.4 yards. And going against the Bucks last week, granted, you're going to talk about their defense. We know what they're like. But he really opened it up. 7.2 yards downfield, still middle of the pack. But compared to what he was doing, a lot better. And if he's going to be throwing the ball a little, a little farther like that, we're going to see – higher ceiling for Michael Thomas, maybe some Jerry Cook, maybe some Ted Ginn. So if Bridgewater is going to be used like that going forward, we're going to have more interest in that offense. Uh, what I noticed is uh, one from watching some of that game too. Uh, Twitter today, there was a lot of breakdowns of the Buccaneers defense. You can kind of see this too in gridiron eye too. 
uh, they, they were just, everyone was running wide open. They're not even covering anybody. They're just running around, letting guys run wide open down the seams. You can see the pass defense, right, on Gridiron IQ. Just a, a lot of green. You go over to the rushing, uh, a lot of red. We'll talk about this with Christian McCaffrey for you Thursday through uh, Monday players. I play a lot of those. An interesting decision we're going to have to make on that. But my big takeaway, Buccaneers defense, man. <laughs> that pass defense is trash. Uh, maybe targeting uh, some guys, some long guys. Maybe take a, uh, Greg Olson. Maybe take a Curtis Samuel we'll talk about in a little bit here uh, in this game. They're going to play in London this week if you're playing in there because um, – uh, I just think that Buccaneers defense is absolutely trash against the pass. Uh, give me another thing we can take away from next week. Well, I'm starting to get a little worried about Lamar Jackson. I don't think I'm alone in that, but we saw him absolutely light it up weeks one and two, and that was against Miami and Arizona. Everyone, I could light it up. No way. He, he looked good. <laughs> yeah, he, he had a 92.5 PFF grade and then an 82.1. One is about as good as you can legitimately have. 82.1 is still very good. Well, the three weeks since, we saw him put up a decent grade against the Browns, but he had a 35.0 against the Chiefs, a 55.7 last week against the Steelers. He had his his worst fantasy day as a starter he's ever had this past week. So if if he's going to struggle against these tougher opponents, well, there's going to be a lot of tough opponents. He can't face the you know he has the Bengals this week. We'll see, but he, he can't face bad defenses every week. So we need to watch him and be a little careful. He's not the the hammer at play like he was at the start of the season. Yeah, the Bengals are absolutely trash. Uh, the only thing I worry about is I think they're just so trash that we won't even have Lamar Jackson having to run the ball or throw the ball much, basically from the midway through the, the third quarter on. And that's a little worrisome for me. This might be a Mark Ingram game, but uh, I'll talk about all that as we kind of progress through the show. Um, so uh, always kind of look back, right? Look back at what happened last week. How do we attack things moving forward? And uh, I always like to do, I did the Millionaire Maker Review for the premium members. Those are always good articles. Look back at good lineups. Uh, that are winning millions of dollars, see what they look like, see what the lineups that finish just below them look like. So always taking a look back and always help you take a step forward in DFS. Uh, let's talk to Thursday. The podcast comes out, uh, you know, before Thursday for some of these guys. And we've got a wet, rainy, windy, absolute trash Thursday night game. But hey, we're still going to watch it right because the Patriots and the Giants are on and there's football and television on Thursday. So what are we going to do? So uh, a real quick look at the weather on this, you know, 20 plus mile per hour sustained winds, huge gusts, absolute downpour during the game. Um, if you look at Ross weather tool, uh, specifically for Gillette in these games, I mean, scoring absolutely plummets. We've seen that with the over under has come way down and the Patriots uh, spread has actually gone in the Patriots favor too. So basically the giants, if they score a touchdown, I think they'll be pretty lucky in this game. How can we attack this? Um, you know, we've got Rex Burkhead may or may not play. I think that's going to swing a lot of, you know, if he's out, right, we're just going to pile on Sony Michelle, who played the Rex Burkhead role. He actually got some targets. Uh, I didn't know he was capable of actually getting a target in an NFL game, but they proved us wrong on that last week. Um, so, so what do you see possibly happening in this game with some of the worst weather we've encountered this year? I kind of hope it's a big John Hillman game just because that'd be the funniest outcome. <laughs> yes, for sure. <laughs> but if, if we're worried about the weather, it's going to have to be a Michelle outing, which is, is frustrating because there's nothing interesting about that. I want to talk about Julian Edelman's target load. I want to talk about Darius Slayton as a sleeper play. But this weather is just making it hard to do any of that. It's going to be a Sony Michelle game, and you hope. You know, that's why I like Darius Slayton, honestly. He's had four of his 12 targets so far have come on deep balls, and they're not going to throw a lot of passes. We're not going to get you know Golden Tate having his 10-catch, 80-yard, whatever game. It's going to have to be one play and hope something works. So if you're going to go with a pass catcher, I like these deep options like Darius Slayton. But you're going to be talking a lot about Michelle in this one. 
I think you're going to see the highest ownership of a defense in the captain spot in the history of DFS, yep. followed by the Patriots onslaught. And just because they force you to take a Giants player, you're just going to kind of randomize which one you're going to throw in there. But this game is really looking like a Patriots onslaught. That was kind of my bet of the week last week. I don't know if I like it as much this week because the game could just be ultra sloppy. And I'm not really, that's not one I'm really on. Um, but yeah, just uh, be prepared for a, a low scoring game, I think. And uh, again, always just check the weather, you know, an hour or two before game time because it can change. And maybe we're all making a big uh, stink over this uh, over nothing. Uh, but just uh, keep it keep an eye on the weather would be uh, my main suggestion for that game. Uh, I, I did think this was, this was fun. It, it, I don't know if there's anything analytic to it. It's just funny. Two years ago this week, the Giants were 0-5 going into a Sunday night primetime game against the 3-1 Broncos. Broncos only allowed 16 points a game all season long. The Giants are 13.5-point dogs, losing Odell Beckham, losing Brandon Marshall, losing Sterling Shepard. They won the game 23-10. to I don't think it means much. I just think that's a hilarious coincidence, and it would be Who hilarious. Who was that against? Against the Broncos. Oh, okay, yeah. Case closed. I know. Just saying, they were they were three and one at the time. Bill Belichick is not going to let that happen. I can almost guarantee. <laughs> uh, let's move to bets. We actually we did pretty good last week. I think uh, you know I told you to take uh, the Titans, but only if Josh Allen was out. So I told you to take the under in that game, and I like the Patriots. So I went two and zero. I'm looking to repeat that. You went two and zero as well. Uh, the first one, I'm going to give myself a pat in the back. Uh, I went to the book on Monday afternoon uh, I got on a little 49ers in that Cleveland game but I saw Seattle was two and a half point underdogs on the road against Cleveland I took that now Seattle's like two point favorites uh, on the road in that game so that line's a little stale you can't get that but a couple things I like uh, I like the Rams 49ers under specifically today there's there's a lot of injuries uh, happening uh, to the offensive line for San Francisco they lost their fullback Todd Gurley's dinged up a little bit that San Francisco defense looks legit. I think the Rams defense is probably hasn't played up to what they can. I like the under in that game um, by, by a pretty significant margin. I, I think for DFS, I think you could still, uh, you know, I'll still make some Jared Goff lineups and tournaments, but this game's really looking like an under for me. There's just too many important position players not likely to play in this game. Yeah, I, I'm fine with that. Uh, I think uh, I think the biggest uh, absence is going to be the one you mentioned, Kyle Zuschek. Um, and I, I mean, it's going to force George Kittle to do more blocking. It's going to it's going to really impact their offense. They had like seven different fullbacks in to work out today, but none of them are going to be Kyle Ushak. So I, I don't I, I, I like that. Part. I don't want George Kittle blocking. I need that dude running around. I agreed completely. <laughs> he saved um, me in my season long this week, so I agree a hundred percent. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was nice. The tight tight ends is such a wasteland right now. If you uh, I've seen a couple of things having to rank tight ends this week right you get past like six Invisible. or seven and it's just a absolute dumpster having fun ranking right jeff swaim yeah he's like a top 10 tight end this week uh so yeah i like the under in that game um i like the falcons i don't think the falcons should be an underdog against arizona you like it too so i won't steal the thunder what's your thoughts on that game? It's, we matt ryan has a lot of turnovers this year but he also has at least 300 yards in every single game multiple touchdowns in four out of five three touchdowns in three out of five he's playing fantastically and this game has the second highest over under on the slate but we can't we i don't see either one of these teams stopping the other one but atlanta has a better offense so i i just i think that's an easy bet there it's easy for me to take the falcons over the cardinals for sure i think on that one and crush the over 
Yeah, the over, uh, let me look at the opening lines on, on Vegas Insider, uh, part of the better uh, collective family that we're all a part of here at Roto-Grinders. Uh, let's see here. So it opened at 47. Congratulations if you got the 47 over-under in this game. It's now up to, yeah, it's now up to 51 and a half. Uh, and we're looking at Atlanta is, uh, wow, Atlanta is now, what, two and a half point favorites? So oh, that's moved I, a lot. Yeah, that's moved up quite a bit. Uh, I think I got them as like one and a half point favorites. So now the the, the money seems to be coming on on the Falcons quite a bit. So yeah, I, I'm in agreement with that. The 51 and a half, it, it seems a little high, but it's really not in in this game. So I like your call on that one too. And uh, again, congratulations if you got it. And 47 and you were the line sure. mover because that is a, an absolute one. Two absolutely garbage defenses out there. Uh, you got anything else for me over here for bets? I mean, it's boring as can be. I can't imagine watching this game, but how can you not hammer Miami under these two teams have combined for 99 points in nine games they, they there's no offensive weapon on either one of these teams out of Terry McLaurin and Preston Williams and if you're flag planters are Terry McLaurin and Preston Williams that tells you a whole lot so I the, I mean it's a tiny over under last I saw it was 41 I don't know if that's moved but even at that I, you hammer the under in that game yeah, Green Line's pretty close on almost all these games. But, uh, I mean, you, you hear Callahan, the new coach, we've got to, uh, you know, we got to run the ball. Teams that run the ball win football games. Completely backwards thinking. <laughs> but, hey, that's what the old coaches do. That's why they're in there. I could see for one game, if there was ever a game for the narrative to play out, for Adrian Peterson to come in and, and go out on top, right, this could be the game. We'll talk about him in a little bit here. But, uh, yeah, the under, I don't see a lot of points being scored. Here's what's going to happen. It's going to be 14 to 7, or it's going to be 35 to 30, and neither team plays defense. Those are, those are basically <laughs> my outcome today. I, I would love it to be 35 to 30. That would be the funniest possible outcome. Yeah, I think uh, both of those. You, you like Philly too here? Yeah, I do. Uh, I don't – you know, Minnesota has they, – they threw better this past week. We, we've seen them pass better, but – it's still not a passing offense. Dalvin Cook's going to get shut down. We've seen Car- uh, Carson Wentz. He's had some of the touchdowns the last couple of weeks, but there's no yardage to him. He's not throwing the ball downfield at all, and it just worries me. I don't think there's a lot of, a lot of uh, offense in this game, but I think the Eagles are going to be a better team than the Vikings. Yeah, if you look at it too, uh, Kirk Cousins against – Bad teams wins against good teams. He loses almost, almost tw- you know, to a T uh, until he can reverse that trend. Uh, I, I would easily take Philadelphia plus three, three there as well. That sounds like a, a pretty good investment. If you ask. Absolutely. Uh, all right, let's move on to the slate. Uh, a quick note, right? We've had 12 games, 13 games, 14 games. We've got 10 games on this slate. So ownership, right? It's going to be a little bit more condensed. There's also less plays for everybody to talk about. So the good plays get even more ownership and everyone keeps talking about it. And it just, it's, you know, a a self-fulfilling prophecy of what becomes high owned plays throughout the week. So just keep that in mind uh, as the week uh, comes to a close and you're making your lineup Saturday and Sunday. Um, Ownership is just going to be the most concentrated we've probably seen all season simply because we don't have a lot of games on the slate, but let's jump at quarterback, uh, I, I guess uh, you take Matt Ryan, uh, I'll take so- Kyler Murray, and let's have fun. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know how you don't play both of those guys as much as possible. I, I want Ryan of the two of them, but if you gave me Murray, I wouldn't be sad. Yeah, so uh, what do you got for Ryan? I mean, he's he's unstoppable. Uh, their offense can't run. Their defense is trash. Uh, I think that's basically the summary, he's, right? Yeah, he's already got the sixth longest streak of 300-yard passing games ever. He's got the second-most touchdown passes, the second-most passing yards. He's uh, – you give me some reason to use against him, and I'll, I'll I'll listen. But I have not seen a reason not to be all in on Ryan this week. 
Yeah, I like Ryan. I like Kyler. Uh, he's starting to run, right? And you look at some of the PFF stuff. Falcons, 29th in coverage grade. Uh, and on Gridiron IQ, they're allowing the second highest pass expected points added and the fourth highest passing success rate. Um, Atlanta's allowing the second most points per drives as well, which, I mean, that's if Cardinals were actually scoring all these touchdowns, Kyler Murray would be one of the highest priced quarterbacks uh, on the slate. And uh, I know FanDuel has kept, kept his price depressed a little bit on DraftKings. He's reasonably priced, but if Atlanta's going to allow you to turn those uh, field goals into touchdowns, that's great for Kyler Murray. He's getting his uh, his targets are back. We're going to have Kirk back. Demir Bird, somehow we have to talk about Demir Bird, but he's, he's a relevant part of that Cardinals <laughs> offense. Uh, and I just see this game shooting out. You like the over. I like all the offenses. Defenses are trash. Um, we've got Kyler Murray projected at 2% ownership in the early uh, algorithm run. I'll tell you what, that is too low. He's going to be uh, closer to 10 than two, somewhere in the middle. Uh, if you had to guess my estimation and Matt Ryan's currently coming in at 9%, um, he might creep up into low double digits as well, but that game just screams like an absolute shootout. Uh, if we're looking for something not from that game, uh, I'm not sure if you know about this, but we got Deshaun Watson versus Patrick Mahomes. This is going to be must see TV, especially if KC gets at least one of their good wide receivers back. Yeah. I mean, I, with the, with the injury to Patrick Mahomes, I, I mean, I, he's going to play. I don't think there's any risk. He won't play, but I don't think he's going to be at hundred percent regardless. It's Patrick Mahomes. He's going to command high ownership. So I want the tiny pivot. I still think he's going to be highly owned, but the tiny pivot to Deshaun Watson with this game has even a higher over under than the Arizona Atlanta game. And we just saw Watson you know, have the five touchdowns and not get sacked in a game. That's incredible for him. It never happens. And if they can do that sort of thing, Titus Howard had a great game. So if they can keep Watson healthy and upright, his, he has no ceiling. It's all the way up. Yeah, what's your read on this whole camp? I think Mahomes, he was running around at practice today. I'm not really too concerned about that. Where do the receivers stand for Mahomes? If I'm trying to read the tea leaves, maybe Tyreek Hill plays and probably Sammy Watkins sits out. I want one of those two guys in to really trust Pat Mahomes. Are, do you believe any of this stuff where the Colts all of a sudden figure out, hey, without Tyreek Hill, without Sammy Watkins, with an injury or two on the offensive line, right? They just blitz nonstop. They played man and they solve Patrick Mahomes. Do you think that's a believable story? I do not. <laughs> I also do not believe somebody's going to figure out Andy Reid that easily. I do think they've shown something that can work and we'll see that happen again. Mm-hmm. They're not going to go undefeated from here forward or anything like that, but it's still the best offense in the league. It's still going to show up like the best offense in the league. They're fine. I'm not worried about them. If Sammy and Tyreek Hill, let's say they both don't suit up. It, does that move you away from Mahomes at all? A little, sure. I mean, he still has Travis Kelsey. I still think Demarcus Robinson, Miko Hardman, and Byron Pringle is, you know, granted they're a bunch of no-names, but they're blazing fast. They all have, you know, they're the kind of guys who can take advantage of Mahomes' skills. So I'm not going to be pouncing on him. I still prefer Watson, but I don't think it's going to hurt him as much as it would hurt other guys. Pringle, what a what a Twitter gift name for uh, the fantasy community too. Like, uh, it's it's just excellent. You, it's uh, once you pop, you you can't stop with him. But yeah, I think if. uh, if both of those targets don't suit up, uh, I'll probably lower my Mahomes expectation just a smidge, but I'm still not really too concerned. The Texans 22nd and pass coverage grade on PFF. Now they're third and pass rush grade. We know they can get after the quarterback, but guess what, right? We see Mahomes over and over and you get him out of the quarterback and he, you know, out of the pocket, he's just as dangerous. Uh, he's got the fourth highest passer rating. Uh, under pressure per PFF of all the full-time quarterbacks this year. So I don't care if J.J. Watt's chasing him around the field. 
he's just going to laser dart at 40 yards down the field to some wide open receiver because that's what Patrick Mahomes does, and that's what makes him one of the best quarterbacks already to, to, to play the game, in my opinion. So uh, I certainly like him, but I, I would like to see specifically Tyreek Hill uh, back into this game. Uh, you've got value quarterbacks. Let's talk a couple of those. You want to talk Kirk Cousins, who's looking pretty juicy. I think his price on DraftKings is – is not up to what the funnel defense of Philadelphia should allow him to produce this week. Yeah, we, we've seen it. They, they've, they, he's averaged 19 pass attempts in their wins, but 34 in their two losses. That alone is, it tells you, I mean, I already told you, I think Eagles are going to cover this game. I think they're going to win this game. So Cousins is going to be throwing a lot. We saw Adam Thielen get off the schneid. Assuming Stefan Diggs plays, I, he'll probably have a good game against this porous uh, secondary. And Cousins – we see Dalvin Cook can't run on them, so it's it's going to be a Cousins game. Uh, he is the fifteenth priced wide or quarterback on the main slate. Uh, newsflash: There's only twenty quarterbacks, so to get Kirk Cousins at that in a game uh, with a funnel defense against Philadelphia looks to be an excellent play. If you even had to land there in cash games, I wouldn't love it, but I don't hate it, uh, especially if that gets you some some good. Uh, running back specifically, and you're able to mix in some good wide receivers. So so I love Kirk Cousins. Uh, I mentioned I like the under in the Rams game. So um, I, I think as a tournament play, I think I'm going to play some golf because, um, you know, if Gurley is dinged up and, and Brandon Cooks is dinged up a little bit, sure, that might hurt the overall expectation of the Rams offense. But what that does is it makes it very clear who to stack with, with uh, Jared Goff. You got a cheap. Malcolm Brown, possibly to play with him. You've got Cooper Cup, who uh, we'll talk about in a second looking over Scott's article, is emerging as basically one of the best wide receivers in the league right now, getting peppered with target after target and just producing left and right. Um, You see the San Francisco defense. It beasted out, right? Um, They played Tampa Bay, and like week one was Tampa Bay's offense great. Eh, I don't know. Maybe, Maybe I'll give them a pass on that. They played Cincinnati. They played Pittsburgh with no Big Ben. This Cleveland offense is a complete train wreck. I don't think the 49ers have actually been tested yet. So I'm I'm giving the Rams offense a a little bit of leeway. Um, So uh, so I I think Goff could be really interesting in tournaments. And uh, if there are some injuries still, makes it much easier to stack. The problem is you always have to waste a few lineups on Ram stacks, just trying to get all the right pieces in. So I'm hoping a couple, one or two guys are out, and it makes it a lot easier to, to play on Goff this week. So he's someone I'm interested in. Uh, let's see, what do you, what do you got here for a dud? I don't think a lot of people are going to be doing this. Most, most people, uh, in the know, specifically those that listen to the Roto Grinders football podcast feed, they know not to play, uh, players against the Vikings, right? Yeah, I would, I mean, probably, but at the same time, like Carson Wentz is a big name. People think, he, you know, buzzing about him. He's had these wins back to back, but he went from a 10.3 yard a dot in weeks one through three down to 7.8 the last two weeks. He's not throwing it as deep. He's not throwing it as often. And he's not totaling as many uh, passing yards. So I, I, I think the team is good. I think the running game is fine. I don't think he's going to have a big fantasy day against a good defense. So uh, my dud, this is this is definitely, uh, at least on our projected ownership, a little bit, bit of a hot take because in the first run of projected ownership, we have Lamar Jackson as the highest owned quarterback. And uh, I'm, I'm not really looking to utilize him too much. His targets, Marquise Brown, he's limping around. Mark Andrews is out there limping around, right? And I know Lamar, he's very safe. He's probably going to get 50 to 100 yards rushing, which which is great. Um, I'm just worried Cincinnati's so bad that they're just not going to be able to need Lamar in the, the final quarter of the game, if not a little bit more. Um, and, and I really like Mark Ingram in this game. So uh, Cincinnati, right, 30th in coverage grade, 
24th in pass rush grade, 25th in rush defense grade. Complete trash across the board. They're horrible when they're passed upon. Um, they're allowing the second highest pass success rate and the sixth highest expected points added on all passing attempts. But here's the one thing. Teams are barely passing over 50% of their plays against Cincinnati. That's 27th in the league. Well, teams run on them at the second highest rate in the league. Why? Because they're complete trash and you can just run at will. I think this is a Mark Ingram game. I like Lamar Jackson, don't get me wrong, but with some hurt targets with, um, you know, you said maybe he's not this all-star MVP quarterback playing against two of the trashiest teams in the NFL the first couple of weeks. He's got one of those up on the plate this week. But um, I, I don't know. I'm going to be looking to fade or be a little bit underweight Lamar Jackson this week. So that might be a little bit of a hot take. I don't get, I don't tread too much in the hot take waters, uh, Daniel. But I, I guess that's mine for the week. Yeah, I can see the argument. I mean, at the same time, we did say he beat up on the bad teams. This is another one of the bad teams. He might not need four quarters to be productive. So I see your point, and I can see going a little underweight on him. But I think you got to have a few shares just in case he comes out like he did against Miami again. All right, let's move on to running back. Uh, I'll let you start out. We'll duke it out with the studs. We've got uh, Elvin Kamara. He's 8,000 on DraftKings. And after that big Michael Thomas game, he was kind of left uh, fantasy owners, uh, you know, wanting a little bit more. Um, we've got Dalvin Cook, but, you know, we don't run on Philadelphia. And we've got Ezekiel Elliott. I like Zeke. You like Kamara. Well, let's see who wins out here. To be fair, I like Zeke too, but I'll take I'll take Kamara. He's going against the Jaguars, who just gave up more than sixty PPR points to Christian McCaffrey. Sure, but also Reggie Bonifon was producing. Uh, they have the second worst tackling grade. Meanwhile, Kamara has the most forced missed tackles in the league. That combination should allow him to do a whole lot of, of everything against this team. Yeah, I think uh, you make a couple of that that bad tackling and forced missed tackles. Those are two things that work very well in the running Absolutely. backs backs favor so I'm I'm looking to play it's really tough this week because we don't have the auto play Christian McCaffrey on the main slate we have him on the Thursday slate I'm going to talk about him in a second um but Zeke right he's playing nearly every snap Tony Pollard's banged up a little bit too so Pollard getting into this game barring a complete blowout by the Cowboys I think is almost a a zero percent chance the Jets D's not bad it's not good uh 18th graded run D so far uh, on pro football focus uh the one thing is though they stuffed the Eagles right that was pre you know there's Jordan Howard and Miles Sanders they stuffed the Pats you know was that Sony Michelle not being good or was that the Jets defense they stuffed the Browns which is you know I think that's doing something but that offensive line isn't great and then the Bills you know Devin Singletary before he got hurt busted a couple of big plays on him I don't know you know I don't know which side of this to take is the Jets defense good in that or are they sort of middle of the road like the grades on PFF think I think it's more of the PFF grade where in the middle of the road then they're really this all-out run-stopping defense. So I'm still willing to play Zeke. Dallas has the fourth-best run-blocking grade on pro football focus. They're getting some O-line back. If you look at the matchup chart, O-line, D-line on PFF, right, they've got the wide receiver cornerback. they got the tight end safeties. they got O-line, D-line. It's a real quick, easy-access way. Uh, it's the second-biggest advantage for them this week. So PFF likes the O-line over the D-line. Uh, I think Zeke gets out there, 25-plus touches, lots of runs and uh, just sort of runs over the Jets this week. Yeah, I would love to have a lineup with Zeke and Kamara. I just think when we see to get to the receivers, there's so many good receivers play this week. I don't think you'll be able to do that. You play so. Robbie Anderson and Jamison Crowder. There you go. <laughs> you put Sam Darnold in it and you get, you just go all, go all nuts on it. But uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I like Zeke quite a bit. He's uh, 8,500. Uh, if you're playing the all day slate, let's hash this out too. So we've got, uh, I want to talk about Christian McCaffrey for those that play the Thursday through Monday. Uh, I love that slate. 
Uh, he's dinged up a little bit. He's got the long flight. They haven't left or they're leaving tonight, something like that. Um, the Tampa Bay run, the second highest run game, uh, run grade on pro football focus. Uh, and if you pull up our gridiron IQ, everything is red. Red is bad for the rushing expectation of Carolina and Tampa Bay already stuffed them in week two on the short week. What on earth are we doing with Christian McCaffrey? This is the, the, one of the toughest calls I think I've had to make on the whole season because he's, he's, so, he's so good when he's on the field, but there are some negatives working against him. Yeah, it's – I mean, I do the rankings for well, – I'm one of the people who does the rankings for PFF. He's got to be – he's still one, right? Right. I put him one, and I, I didn't feel good about it, but what else are you going to do with him? He's, you know, he's number one in PFF grades. He's number one in first downs. He's number one in yards after the catch. He's number two <laughs> in force miss tackles. He's number one in breakaway yards. He, everything is Christian McCaffrey. And, yes, you listed all the trouble spots. He had – he's had at least 175 scrimmage yards in every game except the one against the Buccaneers, and that's playing them again. I get it all, and I you have to play him. I, I, I mean, the only way you don't play him is if you're just trying to be contrarian. Otherwise, he has to be in your lineup just because of who he is. Yeah, there was that. There was the short week, right? Cam was thrown in a noodle arm, noodle leg. Um, I don't know. I, I think CMC, if you're playing that Thursday slate, I'm probably still going to pay for him uh, over Zeke, over Kamara, over Dalvin Cook, um, as long as the reports come out, you know, Sunday morning that there's there's nothing funky and he's feeling good and he's looking good in warmups. But I just wanted to bring that up. Um, Cause it, it is, is, it is one of the, t- the other thing is right. His price. Uh, he had two massive games. He was 8,800 two weeks ago, 8,700 last week. He's 8,600 this week, Daniel, the more fantasy <laughs> points he puts up, the lower his price becomes. Uh, I don't know. I'm under- okay with that. <laughs> I want that trend to continue all year. Get him for $6,000 in week 17. Yeah. I don't understand that, but that's what it is. So the price, uh, the, the DVP is kind of factored into the price there. Uh, all right. Let me have you talk about some running backs there. I just wanted to talk about uh, the CMC thing. Let's uh, all right. All day. Adrian Peterson. We doing this. I, I don't know how you don't do it. We don't really know what Bill Callahan's going to do in his first game as the head coach, but he said he wants to go run heavy. They're not going to give Chris Thompson 20 carries. Adrian Peterson's going to get the ball a lot. Miami has a terrible run defense, and presumably even Washington's going to be able to score on them, so they're going to be going to a, a, a run-heavy game script. I, I'm not excited about it. I'm not happy about it. But how do you not have a few shares of Adrian Peterson just in case they do it like they say they're going to? Yeah, Talk about a spot for the new coach to come in and – get the locker room behind him and establish a culture by running the ball 35 (laughs) times in the game, right? (laughs) Like if there was ever a spot, this is it against the dolphins. It's the absolute I think Washington stupid. They want to win this game. And I, 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 you know, I think the players always want to win, but I think Miami, right. They're just like, they want to lose and Washington wants to win. And if you want to lose in the NFL, it's pretty easy to lose because almost every other team wants to win. So I, I like the Adrian Peterson call. Um, you got Drake on the other side is getting some he's, – he's pretty cheap too. Do you have any thoughts on Drake? Not as much. I mean, Washington has a competent defense. It's not a good defense, but it at least has more pieces than Miami's has. So, sure, I, I don't think there's any problem with using him, especially in that this sort of game. But I, I'd much prefer Adrian Peterson. Yeah, I think – I think I'd take Peterson too, uh, especially on FanDuel. DraftKings, it becomes a little more interesting because those PPR points Drake racks up uh, can be, uh, you know, very helpful in your tournament teams. Um, but yeah, just uh, you, I'm going to like some players from this game as, as we kind of continue. As sick of it's as sick as it's going to sound, uh, I think there is some value to be had from two absolutely horrible teams uh, duking it out. Um, speaking of duking it out, 
see that segue i'm a professional <laughs> let's let's uh mix it up with some houston running backs here i think in tournaments this week everyone's gonna be playing watson and hopkins and fuller and everyone's gonna be playing mahomes and kelsey and pringle and hill and Walker. right everyone's doing that if you want a contrarian way to get points in this game i think the running backs i think duke i think hyde and i think damian williams allow you to be contrarian while also getting uh, a significant portion possibly of the scoring in this game yeah, the Chiefs have our lowest graded run defense so far, 46.5. And we, you and I had a back and forth for the show a little bit where I, I mentioned that Carlos Hyde's been terrible. And you said that my PFF guys have been – You can't throw your PFF that. graders right. under the bus. Uh, <laughs> Carlos Hyde's grade is entirely supported by his first two weeks. He had an 85.2 grade, 5.8 yards per carry, and a 74.8 elusive rating in weeks one through two. That's fantastic. That was really good. Since then, his grade is down to 64.5. He's averaging only 3.2 yards per carry. His elusive rate has been cut in half down to 38.8. He's The first two games were a mirage. That is not what he is. He's the Carlos Hyde we thought he was. And I – I don't know for sure if it's going to happen this week, but in time we're going to see him lose touches and Duke Johnson is going to get more touches just because they need somebody good there. Carlos Hyde's not good. If that happens this week, Duke Johnson is going to be low owned, low salary. I like his opportunity. Yeah, Duke, uh, the per touch stuff on Duke is uh, like it, it, just like it has been his entire career. It's really good. I don't understand how you trade draft capital for a running back in today's NFL and not want to use the dude you just traded for. And that's Duke Johnson, who uh, all the, the per touch stuff looks really good. Um, so, yeah, I, I like Duke. Uh, I think you could still use Hyde if he happens to fall in the end zone once or twice. He's probably going to easily make value and can even appear in some tournament lineups. So if you're trying to get different in this game, uh, try to look at the running game in those large field tournaments. Uh, a running back, I haven't heard as much hype on this guy yet. I'm looking at our first run of projected ownership. Uh, it looks like maybe Jamino bumped up Chris Carson a little bit or somebody did. Um, but Carson is like, my dude, what do we want to know? Seattle wants to do they, they got the hat on they want to run the damn ball that's what Seattle wants to do and uh newsflash did you see what Cleveland just gave up to uh the 49ers on Monday Night Football I mean how do you not want Carson uh Cleveland let Derrick Henry go off in week one Le'Veon Bell was great in PPR in week two uh they slowed down the Rams week three but I mean Todd Gurley slowing down Todd Gurley is that really anything to hold your hat on probably not uh, 173 rushing yards allowed to the Ravens week, week four. They got their soul taken away by the San Francisco run game last week. How how do you not play Chris Carson? I think he's a staple. He's 6K on DraftKings, a 31st rated run defense on Pro Football Focus. Uh, absolute lock and load for me this week, Daniel. Absolutely. He uh, after seeing all those uh, the, the the fumbles and the losing time to Chris Carson, CJ Process, and all that, he had his highest snap share of the week in Week Five with Rashad Penny back on the field. So I I think they're all the way in on Carson, and there's no reason if they aren't, we shouldn't be. Yeah. Uh, what are we doing with this? Uh, I want to talk Gurley slash Malcolm Brown. We could have a couple injury situations at running back. If Todd Gurley, right? They they played Thursday. All of a sudden, Wednesday. Oh man, my thigh hurts. Like, how, how does this just come up on Wednesday? Doesn't the team know about this beforehand? If he's out, I mean, I know San Francisco's defense is good, but we're we're jamming in Malcolm Brown. And if David Johnson's out with his little back issue, back issues can always be tricky. Um, you know, we're just jamming in Chase Edmonds. It doesn't matter when you get these value running backs that should see near full workload. Um, and good offenses, you you just plug them into every lineup, and you don't really think twice. Yeah, they're they're cheap. You, we, they have the opportunity. The big guys are going to have, you know, any, any of those guys. It's just like having a handcuff in your season long. You got to play them. 
Yeah, so uh, keep your eye on that one. We we're recording this Wednesday night. We don't have all the information, um, but just just keep your eye on that. You got anybody you're not interested in? I think you got a you got one hot take and one pretty common sense one, but I still think both of these there's ways both of these guys just absolutely uh, you know make you look a little silly here. <laughs> well, the common sense one. <laughs> 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 I was all ready for my response that I heard you make an insult. Um, uh, the, the common sense one's Dalvin Cook. You know, we know this. Philadelphia has the the run defense. The run defense is good. The pass defense is bad. I just don't think it's a Dalvin Cook game. So mm-hmm. I don't need to go into depth there. You get what I'm saying. The other one's Nick Chubb. We, we've seen the, he, he, he's gotten a lot of the snaps, a lot of the carries, a lot of the playing time for the Browns. But going against the Seahawks this week, they've allowed the sixth most receiving yards per game to running backs, but the fourth fewest rushing yards per game. They have the third highest percentage of their yards have been in, in the air among all teams this year. Nick Chubb doesn't catch the ball a lot. 81.4% of his yards have been on the ground this year. He has a 76.9 rushing grade, but only a 66.1 receiving grade. So it's just not set up well for him to succeed. I think we could see a little bit more Odell Beckham, a little more Jarvis Landry, finally seeing them get off off the schnod. But I, I don't think it's a big a Chubb game this week. Are you telling me to play that scrub Odell Beckham? Uh, actually, yes. <laughs> I like Odell Beckham this week. Uh, yeah, we'll have to see. You'll have to change my mind about that one a little bit. Uh, last guy again, Mark Ingram. Uh, I mentioned I'm a little worried for uh, Lamar Jackson a little bit. This really just shapes up to Ingram, right? He's not going to catch any passes, but it's there's a world that exists where he's over. He hits 100 yards. He gets the bonus. He falls in the end zone once or twice, and he's looking really good. Uh, the gridiron IQ here on Rotor Grinders lights up uh, like Christmas in green for nearly every category uh, against the Bengals. The 25th run-graded defense. Um, the, Raven, the Ravens have the sixth highest run blocking offensive grade on PFF and the fifth biggest advantage matchup on PFF's uh, O-line D-line chart. So everything from both PFF, everything we have on Gridiron IQ is just, it's screaming at me to play Ravens run game. Uh, I just hope Ingram gets 75% of the snaps and Gus Edwards maybe takes a little bit of a backseat. So the game's like 35 to, to 10 or something like that. Um, but, but I absolutely love Mark Ingram this week and, he looks like he's going to be reasonably low owned. Uh, so that's going to be some way uh, I can hopefully differentiate myself from the field. Uh, let's go to Scott's article, um, expected fantasy points. Uh, this is kind of one of the the big articles on, on PFF that Scott puts on every week. A uh, couple guys I want to talk about. Uh, one's Cooper Cup, who currently sits number two in expected fantasy points. If you would have told me you know, to start the season, giving me 50 guesses at who would be second in the league and expected fantasy points. I, I probably wouldn't have said Cooper cup, but that's what's come to fruition. Uh, his matchup this week. If let's say cooks is out, let's say Gurley's out, they're going to lean on him pretty heavily. He's expensive, but I mean, he could be the top scoring wide receiver every week right now. Yeah. He's, we saw his first two seasons, he was ridiculously efficient, and he's still very efficient, but he's getting the workload to match that efficiency now. And that combination, the, the sky's the limit. He's only second in, in expected fantasy points because Christian McCaffrey exists. He's too good. <laughs> uh, Christian McCaffrey's too good. Who, who else on here do we want to talk about? There's a couple guys. I, I like Le'Veon Bell in PPR this way. I like that Herndon's not in because I think Herndon, you know, he was just another mouth to feed, and I think that maybe took a couple of targets away from everybody in the offense with Herndon looking unlikely to play. I think we could play Le'Veon Bell. Robert Woods, uh, specifically if Cooks is out, I think we can look towards him. What's another guy you might want to highlight here? 
But Carrion Johnson, I think he still fly a little under the radar because he had a little slow start of the season. They've just been gone for weeks. So we haven't seen him. But he went from just over 50% of a, uh, a an opportunity share in the backfield to mm-hmm. over 70% as soon as they released C.J. Anderson. And a 70% workhorse kind of Carrion Johnson, especially against the Packers this week. Now, I just remember that I'm saying this. He's off the main slate, and I've been making that mistake all day. <laughs> but whatever. He's going to be interesting in, this, in, the, in the all-weekend slates. Dude, showdown, play him on showdown, right? Yeah. Yeah, lock him, put him in the put him in the captain on showdown. And uh, I think, great, right, the Thursday through Monday, I play a lot of that. I love it. Uh, I play it on DraftKings. I play it on Fantasy Draft. Fantasy Draft is really cool. It locks Thursday, so you can't switch anything. So you really got to be on top of your game on Thursday night. It's a fun little fun little game to play with yourself, too. But uh, he, he will certainly be in my player pool uh, as a possibility over there this weekend. Uh, let's go to wide receivers. Uh, which just, uh, you know, Will Fuller, Michael Thomas, these guys went off the charts this week. Will Fuller went from 4,500 where he was like a lock. Now he's 6,000. So uh, a little bit tougher to play him. But DeAndre Hopkins, you know, his price has gone down. Now he's against the Chiefs. See the lock of the week? He is the lock of the century, down to 7,400. Unless you think for some reason what Will Fuller did last week, which was amazing. Talk about Scott's expected fantasy points. He had 30.9 expected fantasy points in that game. It's the second highest total by any player this year. That's insane. It's also not going to happen again. It's Will Fuller is very good. DeAndre Hopkins is still better. I'm going to have 100% exposure. I would have more than 100% exposure if they'd let me. Yeah, I think uh, Hopkins, obviously a really good play, will draw. He is the uh, clear chalk, I think, of the expensive receivers this week. So just know that when you're making teams. Um, but, yeah, of course, DeAndre Hopkins, he's, you know, has, he's really disappointed, but he's, he's still chugging along, getting fantasy points. The touchdowns are going to come. He's going to have one of these big target games soon. Uh, so uh, definitely on board with DeAndre Hopkins. <clears throat> uh, I want to talk about do, – do you hear that? That's the squeaky wheel narrative. It worked last week with Adam Thielen. Uh, I'm going back to him this week. Uh, I think you can look at uh, Stefan Diggs as well. Diggs is 5,900 on DraftKings. That price uh, for a player uh, as good of a route runner as Diggs is, uh, I think is just uh, too cheap. Uh, But again, right, we mentioned we like Kirk Cousins. You didn't like Delvin Cook. This is a passing game in theory for Minnesota. Thielen looks so good. He's unstoppable. Uh, He's getting 55% of the team's receiving productions from wide receivers and tight ends, which is absolutely insane. Um, teams are passing on Philadelphia 70% of the time. That's the second highest rate in the league. They, they can't get any pressure either, which is great for Kirk Cousins. Everything is looking good for Adam Thielen in the passing game. Uh, so I think you can go right back to him. And uh, it would not surprise me at all if Thielen was the, the highest scoring, second highest scoring receiver on the slate. You know, nine to 12 targets, 100 yards, a touchdown or two. I mean, I just think that's already in the bank for Adam Thielen this week, Daniel. Yep, I have no problem with that. He's using a receiver against the Eagles. As long as it's not Luke Falk at quarterback, you're going to do it. Yeah, I would uh, agree. I might even do that, uh, Luke Falk. Uh, it would depend, but probably not. Um, <laughs> what else do we got here? Let, let's talk Tyler Boyd, who's interesting. Um, the, there's definitely some passing game uh, receivers out for Cincinnati. Uh, do you think he can get it done this week? I, I don't see why not. He's fourth in the league in targets. You know, we, we've said AJ Green is out. John Ross is gone now. Auden Tate is, I guess, relevant, but he's still Auden Tate. We're not going to be putting a lot of faith in there. Meanwhile, the Ravens last year averaged 5.0 yards after the catch per reception. This year, that's up to seven. They're averaging two more yards allowed per reception than they did last year. This defense is not the intimidating force it used to be. Meanwhile, Boyd has the 11th most yards after the catch so far this year. I just think it, it's all set up for him to have a big game. 
Yeah, I can definitely get behind Boyd. And he's uh, if you play Lamar Jackson and, you know, with the target is he's an easy bring back in that game, too, for your yeah. tournaments, if you're trying to, to mix it up that way. Uh, I want to talk Preston Williams. Right. I'm, I mentioned I talked about Drake. We talked about Adrian Peterson, Preston Williams. He's forty one hundred. Now, he's not. The, I'm not saying he's this week's Will Fuller, but he could be this week's Will Fuller of forty one hundred dollars. We need, let's say, all the running back value. Let's say. Chase Edmonds and Malcolm Brown, none of those guys really end up working out. We need, we're value starved in DFS to get the expensive running backs onto our team. So we need a cheap receiver. Williams is a guy that can do that play in nearly every snap. Skins 28th in pass rush grade, 28th in coverage grade. That bodes well for kind of his skill set and just $4,100 on DK. Um, very tough for me to not look at him. Uh, especially if some of the running back value doesn't come through for us this week. So I like him. Uh, another guy is uh, I think is going to be pretty popular is going to be Jamison Crowder. Um, 14 targets in that first game with Darnold uh, with Herndon not playing. Uh, I think he's going to get a lot of looks in this game. It's the late game too. He's 4k. So here's what you, here's what I always like. I like the four. I like the receiver in the late game because if you're getting crushed in your cash games, you've got time to swerve and you can just swerve to his high variance counterpart in the same game to Robbie Anderson, whichever one of those ends up being lower owned um, is probably the one that you would want to swerve to if you do uh, pick the higher owned one. Uh, so I like Crowder. I think you can look at Anderson as well. He had a, that nice connection with Darnold. And uh, I think you can still, uh, you know, get that Cowboys defense uh, on the deep ball there. So um, popular, a popular Crowder. Does that sound good to you, Daniel? It, it, it sounds horrifying, but I don't think you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's in, what, well, what else do you got for me for some value plays? Well, I, I'm not sure. I mean, Michael Gallup is real interesting. Um, sec, Michael Thomas is second in the league in yards per route run at 2.95. Gallup is first at 3.49. He is, he is run, lapping the field right now. Yes, he missed two games, but whatever. That's still three games, 23 targets. It's plenty of time for that to level off a little bit, and he's doing really well. He has at least 12.8. PPR points in all three games he's played, at least 22.8 in two of the three games. So I, I, I think he's a great setup here against the uh, Jets uh, defense that's exploitable deep. Yeah, he's 5,600. I like that one. Uh, we got DJ Shark at 55. So um, I think you're down on him a little bit higher on Westbrook. Let's, uh, let's hash out the Jacksonville receivers. Well, DJ Westbrook is going to uh, draw PJ Williams in coverage. And I could stop talking there if I felt like it because PJ Williams is – bad last two years he's the second lowest slot graded corner and that dd westbrook plays out of the slot that's great for him meanwhile dj shark's going to draw marshall Lattimore. marshall Lattimore drew all the bad pub for being bad early in the season and he was he struggled a lot in the first three weeks he's been a lot better the last two weeks and they've tossed him back in shadow coverage on amari cooper and mike evans we know mike evans had that goose egg last week but when Lattimore was on cooper in week four Cooper didn't do much. He had 39 yards. So I, I think Lattimore on Chark is going to be a bad matchup there. Meanwhile, Westbrook's going to draw P.J. Williams, and that's exactly how you beat that team. Um, I think on Scott's article, too, yeah, D.J. Chark uh, in overperforming is uh, D.J. Yes. Chark by eight fantasy points per game. He's catching a lot of touchdowns. Eventually, that's going to slow down. Um, so, yeah, I think uh, D.D. Westbrook is a fine swerve off of that. I mean, Lattimore, Mike Evans retired in, in that game, didn't he? Like, he doesn't play in the NFL anymore. Poor Mike Evans. <laughs> he got the he took the zero while uh, his teammate got everything. That goes goes back to what you said uh, a couple previous weeks, right? It's there's only enough room for one Tampa Bay receiver yeah. to excel every week because of yeah. basically their game plan. So that's uh, hey, those lookbacks. I think they're they're starting to if you you look into them, 
I think they actually uh, have some actionable advice on them. Uh, anything else? Let's say I got Julio. He's 600 more than Hopkins, but he's going to come in at like half or a third of the ownership because everyone's like, I'm going to get that DeAndre Hopkins game. And I'm sure you're going to get it at some point. But Julio on the road um, with Matt Ryan thrown against Arizona without Patrick Peterson. I mean, come on. This is as easy as it gets. Play Julio. You're getting low ownership. Have fun with it. I, I had a guy on Twitter coming to me complaining about how Julio's had such a bad year. It's like two weeks ago, we were talking about how he's the best receiver in the league. Mm-hmm. He's had two bad games. We know Julio has highs and lows. People are bailing on him so fast, and I do not understand it. Yeah, they throw the ball so much, and they get the uptick in snaps this week, too. It's great. I even think, right, Sanu, if you're looking for, like, uh, if you need 12 points and, you know, Siri, give me a receiver to get me 11 DraftKings points this week. Muhammad Sanu, here you go. Six, exactly. for, six for 50 right there. You got it right there. That's what Sanu is going to give you. Really gives you some upside. I think they're all playable pretty pretty easily. So, uh, yeah, just have fun with the Atlanta receivers. They're all playable this week. And if Julio is going to be half his own as Hopkins, I know it costs more, but um, find 600 bucks and play some Julio in tournaments um, and be on the right side of the ownership game. And, and speaking of that game, we got Larry Fitzgerald, who mm-hmm. he he's leading the Cardinals in deep targets. Meanwhile, the Falcons have allowed 11 touchdowns on targets, 10-plus yards downfield. That's most in the lead by three. So I think if Kyle Murray is going to have a lot of success passing, it's going to go through Larry Fitz. And if this game has the over-under, we think it will, he's going to be a monster play. Yeah, we saw the, the horizontal raid, right? That's what it's called on Twitter now, the the, <laughs> air, the air raid. It's all the Kirk and Bird, they're all running the little crossing routes. It's Fitzgerald that gets the deep targets when the offense is clicking. Uh, so I like that call quite a bit. And I think people are, are going to be a little fed up with Fitzgerald. Uh, I'm pulling up his ownership. He is not even on the – oh, yep, there he is, 13%. I think that's right about right. But you can play Will Fuller's 6,000, Larry Fitzgerald, 6,100. Who, who you got? I'm taking Larry Fitz. I think it's close, but I think I lean uh, Fitz as well. Fuller Fuller does have some massive upside, but it's, it's really hard to argue that any receiver in Arizona doesn't have massive upside uh, against the exactly. Falcons this week. Uh, let's go to tight end. I don't even know if we want to really talk about tight ends. It's such a, a horrible position outside of the, the known quantities. I think my player pool this week will really, really be concentrated to maybe like five or six tight ends. It's just... Uh, known production uh so so let let me give you this last week 50 i think it was either 50 or 51 tight ends were rostered in the millionaire maker how many scored double digit fantasy points oh god uh what three it was uh, i think it was six by the time it was all done but like three (laughs) of them were guys like you could never actually expect to actually score fantasy points in an right so it's really tough to get good tight end production um Let's start off with Austin Hooper in this game. Flow chart, Austin Hooper producing. How, how does this not work for everybody this week? Yeah, leading tight ends in uh, snaps played. I think he's third targets, mm-hmm. and it's the Cardinals. It's still the Cardinals. Uh, there's not a lot of conversation needed on that one. Um, my one question to you is, so have you have you looked at the pricing yet? I have not looked at the, uh, Hooper's pricing. That's the question. All right, so how many more – internet fantasy dollars do you think george kittle should be over austin hooper should be i would say should be about 400 more he is two only 200 more so hoop hooper's 5000 which i think is cheap and kittle's 5200 coming off the game where he had the touchdown and in a game where i think the 49ers are probably gonna maybe score a couple of points here who do you got between those two with just a 200 difference 
I had to answer that uh, on in our staff rankings today, and I have Hooper as my number two tight end this week. Kittle is my number three. So I, I have Hooper a little higher and a little less expensive, so I'm going Hooper. All right. Uh, I think Kittle's going to be the chalk, 5,200, second-best advantage matchup in the PFF uh, tight end safety matchup chart as well. Um, and really the only known – this game's really tough to – you know, let's pretend everyone was healthy from all sides in this game – you would need to spend like 50 lineups trying to cover all the different outcomes in this game. It's just crazy. Except I think Kittle's the known quantity week in, week out. Uh, I, I really like him. It, it's really tough between Hooper or Kittle. Um, maybe Hooper is the the tight end too this week. Just the flow chart against Arizona is so strong. But I, I think Kittle's going to end up being chalky. Do you, do you have any reason to not want to play a, a chalky George Kittle? The only worry is with you check out, I wonder if Kittle stays in the block a little more. Mm-hmm. It's a small concern, but it's enough to move the needle a little for me. All right. Let's uh, let's hammer out a couple other tight ends for you. What do you got? Will Disley, uh, you know, the flow chart king against the Cardinals. And uh, as bad as the Cardinals are, uh, this Browns team is not too good either. Yeah. The Browns have allowed 20 plus points to tight ends in three out of their five weeks. The two exceptions were Ryan Griffin in who? week two. Who, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and a pre-breakout Jared L. Everett. Jared, Jared Everett is not bad, but he's not elite tight end by any means. The Browns struggle against tight ends. Will Disley has seen his, his uh, snap percentage increase every single week, especially since Nick Vanette left. I think he's knocking on the door of the top tier at tight end. Let's not poo-poo Gerald Effort because I'm talking Jer- – he's like well, he's like the only cheap tight end I might have interest in this week, right? I, Nin- I can see nine, 19 targets in the past two weeks. And it, it's this – the third year, you know, you draft – I do a lot of dynasty, and I know you're very familiar with it, right? You draft a tight end, and then you wait, and then you wait, and then you wait some more, and then you wait another year, and then you wait another year, and then he finally breaks out, right? The third year tight end breakout, it's a real thing for tight ends. It just takes them a while to learn the possession ever – He's, he's an athletic specimen out there. He's getting targets. And if they play, let's say Gurley's not out there. I mean, ever, it, you know, it's going to be him and Cooper cup getting all these short drop-offs. Cause there's not, they're not going to have enough time to pass the ball deep, especially if Brandon cooks isn't out there. So it's really easy to see Everett sort of continuing his ascension. The matchup isn't amazing. Um, if you look at the, uh, you know, the pass coverage grades of linebackers and safeties on the 49ers, but he's getting peppered with targets and, you know, any sort of opportunity will always trump sort of how good of a player I think you actually are. And I think Everett might actually be ascending finally. And if he's getting all these targets, I think he's pretty interesting. Um, the other guy I want to talk about is only sort of a tournament play. It's Mark Andrews. The the whole book, this is why I'm sort of down on Lamar Jackson a little bit is they're all banged up. Mark, he's brown, he's in, he's out, he's hurt, he's got an ankle, he's got a foot. Mark Andrews has a couple of things going on. I don't know. Could one of those guys leave mid game? I think it's a a pretty likely that at some point one of them might leave the game. So I'm just a little worried about it, but um, it's got the best matchup in the tight end chart. The Bengals stink. And I think having some form of the Ravens is a decent idea um, in a reasonable majority of your lineups because the Bengals are just that bad. And if you don't have exposure to the, you know, foreseeable Ravens player that has the big game, you're really not going to be able to uh, win a tournament this week. So Andrews, just tournaments, uh, but someone I would uh, definitely have in my player pool. Uh, a couple of guys you want to talk about. This is this is where we got to go. Jeff Swaim has entered, you know, risen from the dead of a Cowboys, like eighth tight end, now thrust into the starting star quarterback of Garden Minshew's Jaguars. Um, with O'Shaughnessy out, we, we just we have to look at these guys because the position's so dreadful. 
yeah, we'll see. If Josh Oliver comes, makes his debut, this is off the board, which is such a sad thing to say. But Swain and O'Shaughnessy have combined for 34 targets, which would be seventh in position, 57.3 PPR points, which would be eighth in position. That's more than Kittle. And the Saints are bottom 10 in, in, in passes in grade on passes targeting tight ends. So, like I said, it's it's just diving deep and seeing what can happen. But we could see a, a nice Swain game now that O'Shaughnessy's torn his ACL and is gone. Swain game, I like that. Are you did, did, did you mean to do that? <laughs> I did not. There, I, I absolutely like did not. Yeah, well, we got something going there. I like it. Um, all right, so people will be hunting for some tight ends. They're going to see Delaney Walker. They're going to think he's a good play possibly this week. But you say no. Well, it's it's. He's got the name value, and that's why people are going to be in on him. But the last two weeks, he's had a total of four targets, two catches, 14 yards. He went from a 23% plus target share the first three weeks to under 10% the last two weeks. And Denver has only allowed one tight end, Darren Waller, and we've won to top even 24 yards against him. Granted, they've played almost nobody. But still, that's 24 yards is a low threshold to have very few guys top it. So if you're thinking, oh, Delaney Walker, I love his name. He had two touchdowns week one. I'll think about it. Stop doing that. Don't think about him. All right, I think that's going to about wrap it up for our week six edition of the Pro Football Focus Show. Head on over there, all the grades, uh, all the articles, Daniel stuff, and everything out there is available. If you just want articles and grades, I think it's like $39.99. If you want access to, you know, I look at the team grades a lot, and you can get into basically any statistic you want and the advanced stuff. That's sort of the next pay tier, um, but if you're a serious fantasy player, you know, give yourself a, a shot at it. And uh, always fun. If you just like reading good NFL football slash fantasy articles, um, I mean, you can get lost in PFF for hours over there. And I'm sure da- Daniel pretty much knows everything that goes on in football because he's looking at all the articles as it goes on. So, uh, yeah, give our good friends over at PFF uh, a good look out. Daniel, it's been fun. The cat didn't bother us this week, so we, we got Amazed. that we got that under control. Uh, and we'll see if he'll make a reappearance uh, in the week seven edition. Uh, it's been fun, my man. I'm Britt. He's Daniel. Thanks to all you for watching, and we out you. Have a good one.